Hello. Before we begin, I have some conditions you must agree to. I'm Bartleby Nehi, here with my brother Artemis. Condition number one. No logical fallacies. There are already enough of those in the world. We're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. Condition number two. All sources cited must be real and not imaginary. A pair of socks and a magical wardrobe traveling through time and space investigating the supernatural. Are you paying attention? This is important. You're listening to Metacosmos. Rule number three. Well, hold on. Stop. Just, just, just stop right there. I think that two is enough parameters for one episode. Two rules is all we need. Let's just go with two. But I have a list of demands. I well, we're negotiating demands, and yeah, two is plenty. Two is plenty. No, what kind of fallacies? Logical fallacies. Got it. And the other one, what was that? I said, you cannot cite sources you made up in your head. I can mostly do that. I don't trust you, Bartleby. So, yeah, anyways, so, yeah, last week, let me tell you about what I did. You've been very busy lately. Yeah, well, it's like summertime, and summertime in Humboldt means there's a lot of stuff to do, because, like, if you go, like, hey, come see my event, and they're like, oh, whoa, I can't. My grandma's spinning fire that night. Really? Well, it's kind of a slight exaggeration, yeah, but basically, anyways, this weekend I went to the Fairy Festival. Oh, was this a festival attended by by fairies? No, no, it was people dressing up as their favorite fairies. Oh, what, what kind of fairies show up there? Well, um, mostly the happy and glowy and um, dressing up with fun colors kind. Oh, so not the scary kind. No, no, no. It's just, just the fun fairies. It's a fun fairy festival. And what did you do there? Well, I went there as a silly walk inspector. Okay, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, keeping it fun because you don't want to, like, have a fairy festival and have the other fairies show up because you know what they say. Fairies are pretty much UFOs. What? Yeah, you know, uninvited fairy opportunities. Oh, okay then. And that pretty much brings us around to our main topic this week. Oh, really? We're just jumping straight into it. Oh, this is excellent. We're probably going to finish very quickly, won't we? We'll see. Anyways, yeah. So, I wanted to tell you about a cool thing that's happening right now, just this week. There is a whistleblower uh, from the U.S. like Air Force about UFOs. Uninvited fairy opportunities? No, no. The, the other UFOs. The, um... What's that stand for again? Uh, unidentified Flying Objects? Yes, they're, they're now known as UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Oh, okay. So what's the difference exactly on that? Well, the UAP would include things like ball lightning and weather phenomenon that are mistaken for flying saucers and whatnot. But it also includes the flying saucers, right? Well... That's the thing. There's no way to actually know if they're flying saucers, because if you just spot them in the sky, you have no confirmation if it's a flying saucer or some sort of phenomenon that you're visualizing with your eyes. A UAP. Okay, that kind of like takes a little bit of the fun out of it. Well, it's, it's necessary. If there's no evidence or proof, then what have you got? Well, actually, now that you mention that, David Grush from... The UAP task force uh, with the U.S. Air Force, he's coming out and blowing a whistle saying, hey, guys, there are actual crash landing recovered stuff 
and they won't let you see it, and it's kept secret, and I'm blowing the whistle. I'm letting, I'm letting the news out. Oh, really? And what's he bringing forward? Well, he says that he heard from people who are doing it that it's being done. What's being done? That there's a, there's a UFO retrieval program, and, and they go and they find the UFOs. Are they UFOs once they're retrieved? That, let's not think about that. They go and they find the wreckage and they like are working on it. And there's like big names in the government and some sort of like some company that like makes jets or something. He won't say which ones. What does he say? Well, he says there are people that know and he he's talked to them and, and he's going to testify and say how much is known. And what does he know? Well, he knows the people that know and he knows the, the names of the people, and he's going to testify about them. And he has documents and photos? No, no. He has names of people, names of people that probably do have documents and photos, but he's willing to testify about it. So what, what's he blowing the whistle on? Well, because he's part of the UAP task force. And so he was trying to, like, find out what's going on with the UAPs, and then they start asking questions to the UFO retrieval program, and they're like, oh, boy. Have we got no secrets to tell you? But they told him enough secrets that he's like, man, go blow the whistle on those fools. So, wait, which whistle is he blowing? The one that says that they just have evidence, but they won't share it, and they're keeping secrets. Are we sure they're not practical joking him? Um, that would be a very funny thing to do. But, uh, no, we're not sure. But he's blowing that whistle. So there's no, there's no evidence. And no documents being shown. And the whistle's being blown? I'm not entirely sure. I understand. What's the news here? When did this happen? Well, in 2021 is when he blew the whistle. And we're just now hearing about it. Yeah, because no one would pick up the story. Because, because... Because there maybe isn't a story? Because he, he's just saying that he's blowing the whistle to tell the people who do have the actual whistles to blow? What does he actually know to blow the whistle on? I think they're just playing a practical joke on him. This is very unfortunate, though. No, it's news. It's like a big deal. It's paranormal news. It's going around the paranormal circles. So we kind of like, I figured we had to talk about it. Well, I guess we talked about it. No, it's like really a big deal. Don't brush it off. Like, it got picked up in the news just this week by Leslie Keene, and she works for the New York Times. That's like a really big deal. The New York Times reported this? No, she, she's reporting through another outlet because the New York Times wasn't interested in it. Because there's no photos and no documents. There's nothing to show. It's just, what's his name again? David Grush. It's David Grush just saying something. That's not necessarily news yet. What did the government say? They, they didn't deny it or say anything to confirm. Exactly, because that's how that works. So why are we dwelling on this? Well, okay, look, there's plenty of proof. There's lots of documents. Where are these documents? They're on, like, the internet. They're on the internet. Okay, Bartleby, I want to amend my rule number two. But we said two rules was enough. I want to amend rule number two. You can't use other people's made-up documents either. Well, that's a good thing this one is made up on the FBI.gov website. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've got an absolute solid source to cite this time. And it's actually, like, it's here, I'll even read you the website name. It's vault.fbi.gov slash UFO. Really? 
Yeah, yeah. So pretty much everything from Roswell was already declassified years ago. And um, it's no one really goes looking at it for some reason. Well, what what do you mean for some reason? Well, it's a very specific reason, actually. So you go to the you go to the website, and this little this little box pops up, and it's like, "Hey, um, due to FOIA, uh, we we have to like maliciously comply to the request that we tell you what happened at Roswell." So, um, FOIA. Do you want to explain that? Oh, the Freedom of Information Act. Anytime you ask, like, a government body for information, they have to share it with you if you ask for the right information by name. Okay, then. And so, yeah, so you go to this website, there's, like, 16 parts, and it says, hey, uh, here it is. We don't have to make it easy to read for you. And In fact, we might not even have these documents anymore because this might be the last copy, and they're really, they don't look good. They're, like, like negatives of bad um, photocopies that are... Photocopies of photocopies of photocopies, but then they're in reverse. They're like, they're really hard to read. Like the letters are there, but you gotta you gotta put in a lot of work to just like read a sentence. Uh huh. Not all of them are that bad, but like it's crazy, and it's kind of just like, okay, here you go. Here's the scanned negative of something that we might have thrown out. Oh, and we might not even believe anymore. Oh, okay then. But, you know, you're just saying that's just how that stuff works. The government just goes, we may or may not know or can or cannot deny because um, espionage dot dot dot. So what are you presenting here? You have documents to support this David Grush fellow? Well, kind of. Kind of. Like, okay, so it's a lot. If you go to this whole entire website, there's so many pages. And, like, who wants to read a page that's just about something some farmer saw? And and it goes on and on and on, and you can't even get a sentence very fast because it's so hard to read. So what do you do? You go to a random page. You just pick a page at random because that's like, surely that's how the universe works already. Is it random? So you just kind of look for your information at random. All right, then. It's like cherry picking, but you don't know what kind of cherry you're going to get if you get a cherry at all. And so I went to page 22 of section 1. All right, and what did you find there? Well, that's where I found the coolest document where they broke down the entire ideas in, like, what they were, like, suspecting was going on. They're like, this is super-duper important, and everybody's got to read it. That's what it says. This is how you cite sources, Bartleby. Come on. What's it say? Okay, it's like, this memorandum is respectfully addressed to certain scientists of distinction, to important aeronautical and military authoritative, to number... It just goes on like that in that official language, but, like, there's some bullet points, and I want to read the bullet points. Because I know, I know, I know that David Crash is like, okay, I got no evidence and no proof, but come on, David should just go to the website, vault.fbi.gov, and just go there... And then he'd have all the evidence he needs. It's already online. And then the newspapers would want to pick up his story. The newspapers haven't picked up the story yet. That's because no one wants to take the time to read this page. David could be that person. What makes your page different? Oh, it's totally legible. Like, it's not negatives, and there's less, like, speckles on the page. Uh Uh-huh. So anyways, here we go. A very serious altercation may develop at... Any time with regard to the flying discs, if one of those should be attacked, the attacked plane will almost certainly be destroyed. This isn't a government document. Yeah, 
Okay, in the public mind, this might create a panic. And in uh, something, hold on a second. It's hard to read this. Yes, it looks very painful to look at. Yeah, hold on. A panic, uh, the public mind, it might create a panic. And international suspicion. The principal data concerning these crafts is something at hand and must be offered, no matter how fantastic and unintelligible. It may even come to some minds not previously instructed in thinking of this type. Okay. What type of thinking are we talking about here? This is, this is on a government website. Yeah, absolutely. I'm suspicious. What's going on? So anyways, part one, the disc carry crews. Others are remote controlled. Number two, their mission is peaceful. The visitors contemplate settling on this planet. Number three, these visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. And number four, they are not excarnate Earth people, but they come from their own world. Number five, they do not come from any planet, quote-unquote, as we use the word, but from an etheric planet which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. What? Number six. The bodies of the visitors and the craft also automatically materialize on entering the vibratory rate of our dense matter. What is this? Is there data on this? Uh, Number seven. The disks possess a type of radiant energy or a ray which will easily disintegrate any attacking ship. Huh. They enter the etheric at will and simply disappear from our vision without a trace. Wait a minute. This is number nine. The region from which they come is not the astral plane, but corresponds to Locos and Talus. Students of esoteric metals will understand these terms. Wait a minute. Number 19. They probably cannot be reached by radio, but they probably can by radar, if a signal can be devised for that. What is this nonsense? Is this some sort of joke you're playing on me? No, it's, this, is, this is the document that's in the undisclosed uh, Roswell papers from like, like 1947 or something. This is 1947. Well, hold on, let me see if there's a date on this one. Um, yeah, 1947, July 8th, 1947. Huh. And this is what they came up with. Yeah, yeah. They must have had the best science fiction writing minds on the topic. You know, that's a really good point. How is that a good point? I was making fun of you. Well, I should probably say, I I didn't mention earlier, that above on the top of the document, it does say, the writer has little expectation that anything of import will be accomplished by this gesture. The mere fact that the data born herein was obtained by so-called supernormal means is probably sufficient to ensure its disregard by nearly all persons addressed. Nevertheless, it's a public duty to make it available. Huh, so they they thought this was nonsense at the time. Well, yeah, they did. They did. That's probably why they made this page easier to read than the other pages they provided when they had to do their FOIA. So... Yeah, but I don't think that discounts the opinions, like you mentioned, the science fiction writers. And like in the 70s, there was a lady, um, her name was Jane, and Jane, Jane Roberts, she uh, would go into a trance and channel a spirit named Seth. 
and Seth would say cool stuff about what Seth knew about the universe. So Seth and I have a lot in common. And she would talk to Seth and, um, well, actually, her husband would talk to Seth because she was Seth. Uh-huh. Bartleby, I, I really wanted you to have supported documents, not made-up facts. Anyways, that's really beside the point right now. Seth, he, when he was asked, hey, are the government in contact with the, the UFOs and the aliens? And Seth's like, oh, yeah, of course, but they're not really like that. They're like more of interdimensional beings. So Seth agreed with whoever wrote this document or the whatever supernormal person they went to in 1947 to come up with this stuff. Seth agreed because he was like, yeah, they're interdimensional beings. Oh, really? You're going to call this supporting evidence? Yeah. So Seth He's like, that's real because the government does talk to them and all they want to know about is building weapons. And that's why they don't ever find the cool, awesome technology that you guys are going to use to save yourselves from being a bunch of um, apes that have become aware of yourselves. Huh. I guess that's good news? Yeah. So... David Grush should totally get on that because there's great evidence on the internet if he wants to find it. Bartleby, this is a really bad example. I I feel like you've broken all of the rules set for this episode. Well, that's what rules are for. This is jazz. This is the jazz of paranormal investigation. So, thanks all for coming out. You guys are awesome. Metacosmos is produced in association with Humble Hot Air. HumbleHotAir.org is where you hear awesome stuff, but you already knew that. And you should listen to Metacosmos, like wherever you enjoy podcasts. And you can find it at KineticParanormalSociety.com, along with our other podcast, the, the Kinetic Paranormal Society podcast, where you can listen to our true life reenactments of our adventures created by, in your dimension, a puppet troupe. But for us, it's all real. It's all very real. Hmm. I see there's a theme here in this episode. Yeah, and so this show is produced by Isaac Bluefoot. You should check out his other podcast, Superman, Son of L, the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, because it's super duper duper awesome. And also check out his deck of cards called Omen Quest Cards. They're so cool and super pretty, and even Artemis loves them. I do, it's true. And so, yeah, you can also go to patreon.com slash bluefoot and support all of what we do. So, thank you all so much. I think you're super duper awesome. And I love you. So, what would be the point of making rules in the future? Well, I need some guidelines to work outside of.